What's up, everybody? You're listening to an episode of This Most Unbelievable Life. Yes! We're so glad you're listening. If you've been listening for a while, you know my voice. I'm Dr. Sherry Spiegel, and my co-host is my dear friend, Dr. Paul Fitzgerald. That's right, folks. I'm Dr. Paul Fitzgerald, and I'm happy to welcome you to Season 5 of the podcast. I'm honored to be here once again with my co-host, Dr. Sherry Spiegel, as we work to discover, along with you, our own most unbelievable lives. Thank you for listening. Yes. Good day, Dr. Spiegel. Good day, Dr. Fitzgerald. What? I almost said Dr. Spiegel, like just talking to yeah. myself. Good day, That's Dr. Cool. Fitzgerald. <laughs> yes. Hello, I'm, sir. I'm greeting myself in the Zoom window. Hi, Dr. Mm. Fitzgerald. What brings you here? Yeah. Oh, nothing. Thank you. Uh, what's going on? Not too much. I was going to say, one of these days, you could just do the whole podcast by yourself, I just could. using your Sherry voice. It's like uh, folks used to do back on the back in the 80s and the 70s. Fitzgerald on Fitzgerald, a dialogue, you know, where it's like I'll <laughs> Q&A myself for an hour. Oh, boy. Uh, if, we, if our listeners ever needed a sleep aid, that would be it. Let's listen to that. You know, there's some really good podcasts out there designed to put you to sleep. And I love these things. Yeah. They're called like sleep stories, you know. Um, and my family, like, I'm such a child. I love a good sleep story mm. um, where the subject is trains. Trains? Trains. Interesting. I love, especially, I always, <laughs> I tell Eric to put on one with the chuka chukas. Like, you know, because it's got the train noise in it. Chuka chukas. Yeah. Is that the sound the trains make? Yeah. Chuka-chuka. Obviously. Shuka shuka. That's funny. Mm-hmm. That's funny. David Trelevin knocked me out the other day. Um, mm-hmm. I was in listening to the the trauma, you know, for mindfulness practitioners course. And uh, he was doing a guided a guided meditation. And you know how much I love guided meditations, which is not much. Um, but I don't know. It's like he's just got this voice and it's like it has knocked me out. You know um, what's funny? It's like I'm going under. You know David Trelevin, that? kudos to you, sir, for knocking me out on that in a very well, tra- trauma-informed way. It's funny because on Friday, you and I were doing um, a workshop together. Uh-huh. And during the course of our workshop together, you did a little five-minute guided meditation. Yeah, yeah, right. And I was at this uh, vacation cottage, and my husband had the day off. And so he was off to the side listening to our presentation, sitting on the couch. And I... Um, at some point, like in the middle of the meditation, I opened my eyes and looked over and he was knocked out, yes, knocked yes. out. And I thought to myself, I'm going to have to mute myself. He's going to start snoring um, so because your voice is like clockwork on Eric Spiegel. Oh, that's like, cool. That's cool. Not anytime you're talking, but your meditation voice. Yeah. Sleepy time, Eric. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a good thing. I guess it is, you know, but I mean, the. You know the the suttas say you know the best the best meditation is sleep. You know mm-hmm. that's that's one of the ultimate you know, you know things you can you can do. It's like sometimes sleep is sleep is what's needed more than anything else. And when given the opportunity to feel like we're doing something, but it actually plugs into that, it's like out you go, out you mm-hmm. go. Um, well, and I mean that's the thing is for him like it'd been quite a while since he had a day off on a weekday. Yeah, and- I don't I can't even remember. Right. And so he really needed to check out. So in some ways I was like, yes, I should have had him listening to Paul meditations like yeah. hours ago. 
It was yeah. only five minutes long. Yeah, his nap was a little longer. He did not accept your invitation to rejoin. Oh, he didn't? Yeah. No. <laughs> he was I mean, out. It, it, was a, it was a kind offering. If you'd like to rejoin us, please feel welcome to do so. Yeah, and if not, that's cool. Yeah, he needed the sleep, so. Yeah. Good for, uh, him. Good for him. But it's, you know, it's important, right, to, like, really listen to your body and what it's uh-huh. asking for, for of you, right? Yeah, it asks from us, and if we don't pay attention to it, it asks louder. Mm-hmm. And then if we still try to run from that, it'll ask even louder, and then it will start making demands. It's true. Until it cannot be ignored. Yeah. Um, I think that's true. I think normally we're we're creeping up now, uh, Paul, on the time when normally I would be coming up on uh, like the most unhealthy period of my year. Uh-huh. Right? Like as soon as grades go in and then I collapse because I've been so cruel to myself for nine months. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, I have no idea what will actually happen, but I feel the most well cared for going into May really? that I think I have in years. Why? Uh, let me let me line up my questions here. I have a couple. Okay. Um, I'm feeling the same way too. I mean, I remember in, in some years past around this time of the year, we've both been at it now for eight and a half months. It, mm-hmm. it being, you know, Zoom classroom management and college professorship and all of that kind of stuff. And um, I remember going into April pretty shot a couple of times, you know, pretty, pretty wiped out, pretty Mm -hmm. exhausted. And um, uh, I think that was for a couple of reasons. There are a couple fewer things going on this year slash semester that are not happening Mm-hmm. Um, late March and early April has always been this uh, three conferences in a row, sometimes on three successive weekends for me. And it's like, none of that's happening. Well, they, they did. Two of them did. I went to one. It was on Zoom. Um, and one of them is not canceled and the other one I didn't go to. So um, mm-hmm. the the travel has not been something that's been wiping me out around now. Yeah. Um, but that's not just it. I think it's other stuff, too. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um Normally, I would go to, I mean, so I still attended um, one of my major conferences uh, Mm -hmm. this two weeks ago. Um, And what's interesting about that is that I attended more sessions than I normally do because they were pre-recorded so I could watch them at my Mm -hmm. leisure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I spent a lot less social time. Um, And I used to always tell myself that the social time was what, got me through to the end of the semester right right um but i'm realizing this year at what cost Mm. because i would come back from that conference so exhausted and then i would have so much exhausting work to do i don't know if it actually don't know if it did I mean it did something, but I'm not sure if it did the thing I hoped it would do. Yeah, it's like did it did it fuel you for fuel you for another two weeks of grinding it out, or did it further? Ex- you know, it's hard to know. I mean, it might have been the only thing keeping you moving forward to to sort of gut it out. So I used to be at these conferences as well around this time of year, and it was usually like three in a row, mm-hmm. and um, one of them usually involved a, a, an airplane 
ride, a plane ride, and always a hotel in one way or another, and the one we always did in Roanoke. And yeah. that one is not one that was happening this year, and the other one was always a drive, but the other one was always a flight. And so it was always like this three conferences and three weekends. And that was always the big thing that I did at the end of the year. And, you know, it was good to catch up with colleagues and talk to people that I knew and meet that. But I don't know if that contributed to further exhaustion or if it was just like one of the things that was refueling in a way that pushed me through these last couple of weeks. But it is a particular kind of year um, for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things that I kind of tried to do was start uh, at some point. Uh, Eric and I discussed a one conference per semester rule for mm-hmm. me because mm-hmm. like I was treating them like they were Pokemon. Um, and Catch them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I would go to them all. I would present at them all. And, um, you know, my CV got much longer. Um, but I think this is one of the things that's been really challenging for me is identifying all the things that I could potentially do. And then choosing amongst those the things that I want to do, that I have time to do, that I have resources to do, that's harder. And that's what you're doing this semester? I think, I mean, I think I've been doing that for about the last year or so. Hmm. I did do two conferences this semester um, because we did the one uh, last Friday for OU. Uh, And then I did the Four Cs one. Uh, But most of the time I try to not go to conferences in the fall. And to only go to one in the spring. Right. Right. I had a big mm-hmm. fall one and usually late October, early November. That was a pretty big one that I used to go to. Not this yeah. year. Not this year. Yeah. I have a question, though, with regards to what you just said. Yes. I have a question. Um, you said the time, the energy, and the resources. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're being a little more picky on it. Time, I get. Right. What we say is that time is pie, right? Mm-hmm. You can only do one thing at a time. Do you have time to do, like literally does it fit into your day and what you're trying to do? Yay or no? Yeah, Yes or no? It's cool. Um, interest, we know what we're interested in. Fine. Then you said resources. Mm-hmm. When you said resource, what do you mean by resources? Because uh, that's the thing, right? Yeah. I think when I say you know, it's related to energy for me. Um, Every, I mean, I think it's about fueling. Um, And I think for me, it's not as clear cut, like, Ooh, I'm either interested or not interested. Hmm. Um, I think I'm in sort of a insatiably curious person. So I could get interested in just about anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm, I have a little bit of interest in all the things. So I have to decide how I'm actually going to spend um, my interest tokens, actually. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think of that as being a way of thinking about resources. Um, there's only so much of um, there's only so much of yourself that you can give away. I that's think. true. Yeah, that's true. I, I feel that way, too. Um, and in order for me to bring my best self to everything um, I think there are some best self tokens and you can only give, but so many away. This could be a board game, you know? I mean, it probably is. Like the academic year, right? And it's like, 
<laughs> you pulled the conference card. Do you have enough interest and energy tokens to play that for 100 points? You know, it's like, seriously, this could be a board game. Well, so there is a board game um, that I think it's called Alchemy. Yeah, it's called Alchemy. Um, and you're basically try <laughs> you're trying to, uh, I should buy you this board game. Um, you're, you're basically a little alchemist and you're trying to like get your potions basically like approved and like patented basically. Right, right, right. And so part of what you're doing is like testing different combinations of ingredients to see what they do. And like <laughs> there's, you have the option to like test on yourself or test on a grad student. <laughs> Always test on the grad student. That's what they're for. Right, right. Yeah. Because um, if you test on yourself, it slows you down. Yeah. Um, and But ultimately, like, your goal is to uh, publish your findings. But you can – and it, so it has an element that's a little bit like the game Clue, where you could publish based on a guess of what's oh, yeah. true. Right. Um, and find – like, somebody else could debunk your theory later in the game. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, so – we actually don't have that game anymore because at some point I said to Eric, like, this feels too much like this, Yeah, right. right. It's a little this too is, on the nose. This is a little um, too much like life. I can do that. I can I can do this without playing a game, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, um, I think that there are probably other, other games that are uh, situated within the academic world. Um, I can think of at least one that is uh, a takeoff of like axes and allies, but it's mm -hmm. situated within yeah, academia. Right, right. Because so. like whenever I played life, it was like, I have six kids and I just got fired. This isn't like life at all. You know, <laughs> it's like, what life is this? This isn't life. I um, always got the Mushu flu attack. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was a fun one too, though. I don't remember ever winning that game, but I like to spin the lake. I, I should have known certain things about myself when I played that game as a kid, though, because I always tried to play it in such a way as to get as few children as possible. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know why it was a surprise to me when, as an adult, I said, you know, I don't think I want to have children. Like, Yeah, what that game does, though, I mean, this can, this can sort of relate to this conversation we're having. I mean, what that game does, it really sort of – it the game itself – this is a game. It's not predisposed. Like what's the, what's the one Candyland? right? Candyland. Yeah. Which is predisposed by the shuffle. Um, I'm glad you've come to my side on this. Yeah, no, I think you're right on that. I think you're right on that. Um, th there actually is some, at least if not randomness, chaos and how you spend the thing, right? To what number mm -hmm. you get to how many spaces you can go. But I mean, just the construct of it itself with, you know, the nature of the cards that get pulled mm -hmm. um, in these games that tell you what your outcome is going to be or within the possibilities of it. It's like, it really is. You're on this path and you're going down this road and you really are playing somebody else's game. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you're limited by the expectation of what is it? Milton Bradley mm -hmm. on what life is like. And mm -hmm. if, if, if you find that, you know, you, you had six kids and you don't have it and you're making 20 grand a year and it's like, Oh my God. Um, and you got the Mushu flu. Um, you're sort of just sort of stuck because there's nothing you can do about it because the car only goes that one way based on the, on the spin. Yeah. You know, um, but a lot of the stuff that you and I've been talking about, I mean, this is one of the things that you brought, you discussed so uh, awesomely and extraordinarily on Friday um, at the ODU conference when you gave your opening talk. 
right at that <laughs> conference well done by the way yeah, um thanks. there are other games too you don't have to just play this one there are other ways it can be played this game can be played and um it's interesting to see how that falls on on different on different ears yeah you know, that's I, what I, can you can you get this car off of that road and maybe take a different one right yeah i mean i think you know a big part of that a big part of all this you know a big part of that talk on friday was about what what have i learned and what have i unlearned mm-hmm. right and i think at at some point in your life we are in our lives uh we are taught the rules of a game not all of us are taught the same rules mm-hmm. um and not all of us start with the same beginning resources correct correct and then you live your life according to the rules and new roles emerge as you move through and i think for me at some point it feels like i woke up like a year and a half ago and thought wait who made these rules anyway yeah we have an episode with that title don't we yeah you come up with these rules yeah who whose rules are these um and i think you know sometimes the idea of just it's not that you can opt out of playing the game but you can stop and ask some serious questions about the objective of the game um and so i think that that's a lot of what i've been trying to do is ask like what do I take for granted? And there's so much that we take for granted in our shoulds, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then trying to say, like, what does it look like to unlearn these things? Um, and what do I risk if I if I choose not to, right? Yeah. 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 So. I mean, by, by choosing not to unlearn these things, the risk you run is it's going to wake up tomorrow and do it again. Yeah. You know, the same the same unsatisfying way that it's been done so far. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a comic that has like two hamsters run. Well, one of them's running in a hamster wheel and the other one just is like sitting at the bottom. And it's just like, you know, I decided to take a break and I forget, I forget what the caption actually says, but it's just brilliant. Like, yeah, it turns out you can stop running. Yeah. 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 Um, but I had a, a, a version of this conversation with my my students um, in one of my classes last week. Um, was it last week? All the weeks seem to run together. Yeah. Um, I think it was last week um, where I was talking about pushing against the, the cult of efficiency. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that I'd gotten my degrees as quickly as I could. And, you know, one of my students was thinking, yeah, but doesn't that mean like you're successful. And I'm like, what did I win? Yeah. Right. Right. Like is the goal to live your life or to destroy yourself first? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I was doing really good at the latter. Yeah. Many, many were, many are, yeah. you know, and you know, I feel like I should say, it's not like we got all this figured out either. You know, it's, I mean, you can, you can undergo an awakening like that and, you know, still find yourself, you know, sort of in the game, so to speak. And it's like, you know what? Yeah. I mean, that's I, the I, thing. I see, I see what, I see what this is. I see what this is, you know, what, what, what can I do something about it and what can I not? Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, let's be clear in this moment in my life, I am 
adopting new rules and defining new patterns of being that in 10 years I will want to undo then. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, is that all we do is just go through periods of learning and unlearning? I think, I think, I mean, it's, it's always seems to be just like a, I mean, we, we say this all the time. You can always start over. And thank God you can, you know, because yeah. I think starting over is what I do best. And both being fire signs, uh, we can start all kinds of things. It's finishing them that uh, we're, we, uh, I don't want to paint, I want, I want to paint this in a way that makes us sound good in some way, but it's, it's not easy. We start a lot of things. We begin things very, very well. Some, mm-hmm. sometimes they, some of them actually get finished, but not all. And um, but I think a lot of that, when when something doesn't get finished, it, it's usually for a decent reason. You know, the things that do get finished get finished and well and and completely. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe a lot of those things that get started that just don't sort of ever seem to finish are things. It's like okay, you know, we went down this path a little bit. We tried this thing. It's not working out. You know, maybe I need to do an, do an adjustment. Yeah. Now that being said, when it's a tangible product that's going out that might do somebody some good, and you're close to finishing, just finish the damn thing, you know, and <laughs> and get it out, you know. But I really don't know whether an idea is a good one until I actually start poking around at what it might look like, and when it when it actually starts starts doing something and starts being mm-hmm. something, and then I sort of find out on the job, so to speak, uh, what kind of what kind of idea it really is. Um. But this this awakening of which you you sort of speak, right? It sounds like it feeds into a little bit your ability to make some other discernments on um, why you feel differently this year than you have in years past, right now as the semester comes to a close. Is that a question? I'm not sure. <laughs> I was going to say, was it a question? Yeah, it might have been. It was a leading statement. It was a Perhaps. leading statement. Yeah, like, leading statement. So, I mean, I, but I, let me, let me just say this. I feel the same way. I mean, I'm not nearly as wiped out or exhausted as I have been in years past. Um, I'm looking forward to a break. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, um, does it feel like the end in nine months? I don't know. I mean, mm. I, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm exhausted. I would say that I'm ready for a break. In past years, I was pretty exhausted by now. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think that there are a lot of ways in which my way of being in the world right now compared to who I was last April was just very different. Um and I think you know, it's interesting cuz I think we've said probably a thousand times on this podcast, we don't want to say that the pa- pandemic has led to good, yeah. but um, I think before the pandemic, um, I had really spent very little time in my whole life by myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, this past year has sort of encouraged me to do that. And in that time, I have learned not only that I can spend time with myself but that it is essential that I do. Mm, interesting. Um, interesting. And so I was running through life without ever taking time to check in on myself. And it was like, it's like if you keep driving your car and you never take a look at the gas tank, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean your tank's not going to run empty. Yeah, right. 
means and a car's going to stop in the middle of the highway. <laughs> is what yeah. It means, you know. Yeah. And so that's what I would do. Um, I would run through life. I would never check in on myself. And I would keep running until um, my body completely and utterly, like, rebelled. Yeah. And then yeah. I would be like, oh, I guess I need a break. Um, like sleep used to be negotiable for me. Yeah, right. I used to actually think I didn't need very much sleep. Let me assure you. Yeah. I need to sleep. Yeah, it's it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, food, you know, it turns out this human likes to be fed on a regular schedule. Yeah, Snickers bar doesn't always do it, right? No. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, Goodness. Yeah, like, like just, yeah. It's interesting. So I think that le- a lot of that, like just the fact that I'm spending a lot of time checking in with myself before I check in with the rest of the world. Um, how does that happen? Hmm. How does that happen? What does that check-in uh, look like? Um, it happens with how I schedule my day. It happens with um, what I do first in the day. So every day, um, well... I tend to start my day with Eric, but after Eric goes to work, um, then my day starts with either time that I'm reading alone, time that I'm writing alone, or time that I'm meditating alone. Hmm. All activities that direct attention in a particular way. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think starting the day in, in a way that encourages mindfulness and also ending the day in a way that encourages mm. mindfulness is important. Yeah, I think I do that um, more often than not myself. Do you? Um, I think I do. Yeah, I'm not sure I always did. No, uh, I'm, I'm saying that in a guarded way. It's like, I'm not sure if I always did it that way. I know for a fact I didn't always do it that way. I'm trying to be coy. Yeah. You know, because back pre, pre-pandemic, you know, um, get up, take a shower, put on clothes, get in the car, drink coffee on the, in, the, in the mug on the way. You know, jump uh-huh. out, go to office, do email, go to, uh, you know, it's like, it's God, God, how can, is this what life is? Um, but yeah. when you do it every day, you don't think about it too much. You know, when you do, when you do it every day as a routine, you don't think about it too much. And now it's like, I'm usually up first. You know, the first thing that happens invariably is a cup of coffee, like a, a French press of coffee and maybe a little, uh, Washington Post or New York Times on the on the old iPad, maybe a little just kind of sitting there and staring straight ahead for a bit. Mm-hmm. I like to start my mornings kind of quiet. Um, either with a sit or a read. Mm-hmm. There's always a cup of coffee involved, and I'm not negotiable on that, I guess. Oh, yeah, me neither. Yeah, I'm not negotiable on that. And then, you know, I sort of ease into it. It's like, well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go upstairs and teach class. I guess I'll check my email and see what's going on. Eh, I guess I'll do this or that work-related thing. You know, and even even the work-related stuff seems eased into a little bit more now than it, than it used to. And um, I think that's a good thing. I mean, it, it um, gear switching, task switching is hard. And it takes longer than people think that it does. And it does. to constantly bounce from one thing to another. Cal Newport talks about this, like to, to, to bounce from one thing to another, you can only really effectively do that so many times in a day. Each mm-hmm. one costs uh, uh, a mindfulness chip 
of which you only have so many to invest in during the course of a day or a week. And how do you get those chips back when you need to start doing other stuff when you're out? You have to go to sleep, I think. Mm -hmm. um, the lower levels of Maslow's hierarchy, I think, replenish. You know, in the in the uh, you get them on the lower levels, you spend them on the upper ones. I think. Um, yeah. That may or may not be true, but it seems right right now. Yeah, that um, feels right for now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, starting the day seems like a ending the day seems like a good way to do that, though. Just a couple mm -hmm. of a few minutes of quiet, just kind of hanging out, nothing crazy, nothing chaotic. He's yeah. into it. Seems like a good way to start. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I'm thinking as you're talking about this, how much um, the the idea that we work from our houses um, is shaping um, the day and, and the space for this mindfulness in the morning. And it, I do wonder how much of that will persist when we are back commuting again. I do actively don't think about it because i don't want to know what i think the answer might be this doesn't surprise me yeah um, it's, like, oh, man. it's it's I amazing to me the times when i'm like i've been thinking about this have you paul and paul's like i've been thinking about hot sauce yeah <laughs> we literally had that conversation over the weekend right right um but i i guess the reason i'm thinking about it is because at the beginning of quarantine i thought a lot about how I missed my commute and I thought that commute time to me felt sacred because to me, my commute time felt like it was the only me time I had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, that was your alone time. That was my alone time. Um, but now I still have that alone time, but it looks so much different to where the idea of having to be driving a car drinking a cup of coffee, listening to a podcast. That's not mindfulness time. No, That's no. multitasking time. Yeah, right, right. Um, and so I don't know where I was going with that, but I, I just think it's interesting how things that felt like a safe space to rest my head now feel very frenetic to me. Yeah, yeah, they do seem that way. And I think... Um, for folks who, who did transition to a work from home, I think it, it really did. I can only really speak for myself here and for Shauna, of course, a little bit since I had a front row seat. It really mm -hmm. did change how the day looks. Yeah. Um, it really did. And not just because we all have an extra hour plus per day because we're not sitting in our cars, you know, every day commuting to a place in Northern Virginia. You know, it, 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 it's more than just the, how time is allocated. It's act right. how, how activity is adjusted to fill that, that space a little yeah. bit. And, um, you know, I, I don't have the right to speak on how having children at home adds into this math, the math mathematics of this, because that's not a situation that either one of us had, mm -hmm. you know, but I know that that played a big part in, in how things change as, as well for folks that do have kids that were at home too. So right. I know that I know that wasn't easy for a lot of folks either. Yeah, that that particular adjustment, but um, yeah, it's like right now that a lot of this stuff does just feel like wow. Maybe not doing that is why I don't feel so exhausted all the time. Maybe it's not all this conference travel I didn't do. Maybe it's that I haven't been you know in my car for ten hours a week in, in traffic. Maybe it's because I, you know, haven't put on a, a a costume with buttons on it. You know, 
Maybe it's because I haven't worn a suit in over a year. Maybe it is, you know, maybe it's. That's not true. You went to a wedding. I saw yeah, I did go to a wedding. Yeah, that, that is. I did wear that suit to that wedding. Yeah. Um, maybe it, maybe it's all this stuff. I mean, maybe it's, you know, some, some differences and, you know, and how many things am I doing at a time? Because yeah. it for, for a while it hasn't really not been more than one. And, right. And I think well, that it has left a little more fuel in my tank than, than I used to have by this point. Yeah. And there's just, there's also, um, there's little ways that you can sneak parts of the things that you need to do in your home life into your day when you're working from home. Like, yeah, right. you know, um, a lot of times, like, um, I, especially if I have a call around lunchtime, I will often do the dishes while I'm on the call. Um, mm, that's mm-hmm. not a thing I can do from the office. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, laundry and things like that. And I, I don't know, I'm just thinking about how, you know, in days when, you know, the, the, when towns were quaint and it was just like, Oh, you need the Smith. You're going to go over to the Smith's house yeah, and, right. or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, these folks worked from their homes, right? Yeah, they, they did. worked on their own property. Um, and yeah. so I'm thinking all of a sudden about like, yeah, like the idea of going to work is kind of a more recent it is. development. It really is. Um, and it that's wasn't a, that's the a, best one. That was a pretty, that's a pretty new invention. Yeah. You know, that um, comes only with an urban you know, the, the rise of urbanism in the mm-hmm. industrial revolution you know, with factories, with factory production. That's when that started. Um, I mean, that early 1800s. Yeah. Early mid 1800s. I mean, before that, and even throughout the mid 1800s, people worked. Um, they're, they're the, the front room of their house was their business, was their office, was mm-hmm. their, you know, there was an old brewer. One of the old brewery families in St. Louis, the Lemps, L-E-M-P, the Lemp family. Mm-hmm. One of their, their home being one of the 10 most haunted places in America. Oh, it yes, always I've makes the list. It. it makes the list. It's, and if you've ever been there, it's a really creepy, creepy experience to be there. Big brewery in South St. Louis. Um, one of the old original ones predated Anheuser-Busch in St. Louis. Um, the beer in the Pilsner style, which was mm-hmm. all the rage in kind of the old kind of German parts of town where a lot of the German immigration was coming in from. And um, they they had the brewery, which obviously was large. You know, this is right. in the early 1900s, late 1800s probably. Um, the brewery, which was large, industrial-sized brewery. But, I mean, this is back in the days when the, the beer was being delivered by a horse and, horse and carriage, mm-hmm. right? Not by refrigerated trucks or anything like that. And um, I've, I'm really conflicted on whether or not I want to talk about their house or whether I want to talk about the ghost stories now because it's like I really want to talk about the ghost stories, but that's not the point. Um <laughs> underneath parts of stuff uh, so i'll really briefly hit on that now that it's almost halloween because it's um. what april uh, so <laughs> it's only six months till halloween so here's the story there are a bunch of limestone caves underneath st louis and they were using those old limestone caves as um a is the storehouse for their beer because it would stay at constant temperature year round which is a, right but that's why the brewery is where it is it was built right over those caves but, you know, down the street is a house, you know, is the, is the Lemp Mansion. It's the house. It's a restaurant now and a B&B. Mm-hmm. Um, good food. They have a wonderful Sunday brunch. I've been there a couple of times for that. Um, but it's like the front room of their house 
is, you know, where you can dine, um, where, you, you know, they have wonderful, you know, intimate seating, was the office. Right. You know, it's like, that's where the work, you know, there was an old roll top desk, these old photos of this guy in a suit. I mean, how often do we see that? Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, the front room of the house was where the work happened. And um, yeah, this whole notion of I got to get up and go somewhere to work is very recent in, in yeah. human cultural experience. Very yeah. recent. Um, so let us not think that this goes back a thousand years, you know, and all of a sudden some disruptive have this, this goes back 150 years. And <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like there was time enough for our culture and society to get good at it or anything no. like that. I mean, that's a, you got a short memory if you want to think that that's the way that it's always been. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think it has, so, so we move so, so towards that. I mean, even the fact that there were, you know, co-working spaces that, you know, because yeah. everyone wanted to be able to go to work. Um, and I am really, I'm really interested in gathering with students again, but I'm not necessarily excited about teaching in a classroom again. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Right? It's so, like, I... What I really want in the world is to have a space to get together with my students, but I don't, I don't know that it needs a blackboard or certainly not rows of desks. Yeah. Why ruin it? You know, by trying to, by trying to talk about, you know, (laughs) perhaps we say too much, Um, but why, but I always, I was arguing about this back when we were in person. If you remember my rants from back then, it's like you have this one or two times a week when you get all these kids together, right? Finally, in one time, in one place and all the diversity and all their interests and all the uniqueness, you tell them not to talk to each other and to all put your desks in common rows and look at the back of the person's head in front of you. It's like the way these classrooms are engineered. And this was a big rant of mine. I think I talked about this on the very first episode on missing the point. You know, I think Mm -hmm. I talked about this. You know, it's like you have this wonderful, amazing opportunity for interpersonal connection. And you, and it is structurally engineered to prevent that from happening. Mm -hmm. Quit talking to your neighbor, stop passing notes, look straight ahead and pay attention. You know, it's like, wow, wow. It's like, then why are we here? Because we could do this on the internet. Yeah. I mean, it's really, you don't it's need a really classroom true. For this. So you then, don't need a classroom to listen to somebody talk and look at slides. You can do that on the internet. Right. Well, and it's one of the things, and I don't want to get, I don't want to make this like a teaching podcast. Yeah, this could be a completely different episode, right? Right. Um, but I mean, how, I mean, I don't think schools are the only people thinking about this. I think. You're right churches are thinking about this i think just about every organization um friend groups are thinking about like Uh how do we gather what does gathering look like um yeah i mean it's you know it's i think towards the beginning of all this i was starting to read the book the art of gathering yeah i was about to say priya parker right yeah i started thinking about that too yeah she talked about this yeah, and I kind of stopped reading it because I got so frustrated because it felt like, well, we can't gather. So, um, so I, you know, I'm kind of interested to go back to that book now as we're starting to be um, 
sort of allowed to gather again and ask myself, what do I want gathering to look like mm-hmm. now as we go forward? Because um, I will tell you, there are things about the lack of gathering that I won't miss. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, yeah. and it was so taken for granted. You know, the ability to gather was so taken for granted. It was squandered in hindsight. Yeah. You know, and in Priya Parker's book, The Art of Gathering, it's like, oh, Priya Parker wrote this book. You should read it. It's really interesting, you know, but it's like, ooh, she was onto something, you know, um, and she doesn't realize how important the stuff that she was talking about really was. But when it's easy to gather, it's like, yeah, you know, we can do this anytime. What's the urgency now? Um, but once that becomes such a rare and limited resource, the ability to get together or an impossible one, um, as the case may be, it's like, so how do we not screw this up when we can do it again? What is the best way to do this where it's not just a squandered resource, this ability to gather where we're all going to get together and absolutely nothing interesting or meaningful is going to happen. And I can count far more of those experiences than, than otherwise most meetings I've been in. I can put it under the category of absolutely nothing interesting happened. Yeah. You know, it's like we all got together and we all commuted and we all drove and we all sat down and we're all together and absolutely nothing interesting happened for a variety of reasons, for a variety of reasons, you know. But I mean, now after, you know, being at home for a year and change and, you know, figuring out how to do most of the stuff that we do you know, on Zoom or the internet or Canvas or whatever it is. If somebody's going to ask me to be together in person for something like that in some administrative way, like a classroom or something like that, by God, it better be for you for a good reason. And maybe I ought to be able to articulate what that reason is. But if if, if it's like, just because, that's the way we do things. No, that's not enough for me. You know what's so... That's not enough for me. ...funny to me is that, like, one of the things that I can't wait to do in person again is meditate with other people. Yeah, I miss that I, too. I think that that's hilarious. Like, yeah, I miss that too. The The number one thing that I want to do with other people is get together and shut up. Yeah. Like, I can't wait. But it's in a particular way. It is. It's shutting up in a particular way with an intention. Yeah. You know, that is shared. Yeah. I think it's that shared intentionality. It's the same thing. Like, you know, I miss um, group... Uh, I used to go to row house and like rowing. I mean, that's less, yeah, right. it's not a mindfulness activity, but you know, yoga classes, these, these things where you have this corporate experience and I don't mean like corporation, but like, you know, a collective experience without having to mingle necessarily. Right. Like we're all right, right. Sh- like as shared experience as, as humans on this earth, we're going to sit on some cushions and breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's perfect. In a, in a particular way, on yeah. purpose, right? Without mm-hmm. judgment, right? Um, but that's exactly what that um, exercise is engineered to do. Um, it's, it's, it's what it looks like and what is actually happening can be different from each other. Yeah. You know, in, 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 in opposite ways, depending on what the what, what's actually going on. It's like, we're all just kind of sitting around in a circle. It's like, oh, there's something interesting going on here that, you know, if you got to be in it to sort of experience that. And it's equally, I don't know if it's equally meaningful. It's meaningful to everyone in some degree or another or they wouldn't be there. 
Um, and what is unique about those those meditation groups, the ones that we used to be in on, um, we were there because we wanted to be there. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was it was a, a decision that was made um, to to engage in that. Other things are not. I mean, if you're if you're in a place coerced coerced to be there, you know, with a with a set of instructions, like eh, I don't know, that feels less magical to me. Yeah, it feels less magical to me. You know, and I think that's what's lacking in a lot of gatherings. And I think Priya Parker mentions this in, in the mm-hmm. book. You know, what is the what's the intention here for this gathering? What what's the thing that is trying to be um, that is trying to be approached or or achieved? What is the um, what's the it's the golden ring that we're reaching for by being together in this time in this place you know and that yeah. in it's on you know before the pandemic it's like oh that's a good idea to think about that but now that we've been alone for a year year and a half it's like that's a really important way to conceptualize a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. and that might have and you know when you think about why did we ever used to do this stuff in person that is what was lacking yeah you know that is that is exactly the stuff that was lacking Yeah, it's I I almost had a thought, but I think it needs to bake longer before it can come out here. <laughs> Tune in next week, right? Yeah, you know, sure we'll, we'll see what it was. We'll yeah, I mean, I I think that um I think that especially as we're moving into a time of like like summer is coming very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um the end of this the year is coming and so i'm having a lot of conversations uh with people about you know getting together to celebrate the end of the year which in and of itself is like an interesting thing celebrating that something is over yeah right um you know it's like having a divorce party yeah um you know and and i mean i definitely want to um but uh yeah so there's that and then you know like as vaccination happens it's um i'm very confused about at what point i'm actually going to want to emerge from my home and see yeah, humans yeah yeah um but thinking about what our gatherings afford us um and even just choosing when and how i show up mm-hmm to gatherings in the future you know um are we going because we should or are we going because it's the thing we want to do it's the thing you want to do yeah because something experience is going to be had yeah or is it just kind of up to you to find it and it's all all questions that we're gonna find the answers to yeah here in a little bit you know here in a few months we're going to start finding out what the answers to these things are. And I don't know what they are. Yeah. And we'll see. But, you know, thinking about, like, people on meditation cushions together, what do you think, like, why is that such a valuable shared experience? Um, like, the, like meditation is, is a group with others. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, having... Uh, no surprise to anyone having having done it a lot both ways um it yeah. is a different experience it it really is um i don't know if it's i'll have to talk to clea about this 
later. I don't know if it's supposed to be different or not. You know? mm-hmm. is, does it mean you're doing it right? Does it mean you're doing it wrong? I think it just means I'm doing it and noticing is what is what it yeah. means. Um, I don't think it means anything besides that. Um, pay attention. Pay attention is, is what it means. Yeah. Um, but it is it is a very different experience. And, you know, I've had, you know, different varieties all of, of all of them. I've had short sits mm-hmm. uh, me by myself. I've had long sits be me, me by myself. I've had you know, shorter sits with a couple of other people. I've had long sits with a bunch of people that I don't know. I've had long sits with people that I do know. I mean, so it's like I've, I've had almost all combinations of duration and familiarity and size of the group, as you can sort of imagine. And there, there does, however, seem to be a, a difference between by myself mm-hmm. and with, with, a, with a group. And it seems I don't know if easier is the right way um if you're going to do it by yourself you really need to do it you know because it 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 feels akin to okay so I'm home by myself and nobody's watching and I'm not doing anything for anyone but I am actually going to cook a proper dinner and set the table and sit down and eat and have a nice dinner with a tablecloth and a napkin and then I'm going to after dinner, I'm going to do all the dishes and put everything away and everything's going to be just delightful. It's like, you never do that when you're eating by yourself. Maybe you do. I don't know. I don't think I do. It's like, that's when you eat over, over the sink, yeah. you know, in sweatpants. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I don't, maybe it's in a, a, a more formality goes into it when it's with a, with a large group. There, there are social, um, social rules that whether or not they're real or not sort of get sort of settle on. Yeah. Settle on us a little. Um, maybe this might have something to do with accountability and sharing an experience if it's pleasant or unpleasant or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. Sharing an experience makes it meaningful. Yeah, it's, you know, when I... But it is med- different. Yeah, it is. I agree. Um, I think when I meditate and I am by myself, you know, the, the name of the game is awareness, right? Like, it's about so practicing awareness. Pay attention, yeah. Right? And so I think when I'm meditating with others, it really is still about being aware, but it's being aware with others. And so I think what I mean by that is I am, I am both more aware of the fact that little things that I do may have an impact on others around me. Oh, interesting. 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 And I am also aware of the fact that by the nature of the practice, um, though the action, the actions I have may have more impact on others. I'm in a space where we are dedicated to being with what is. So there's an idea of acceptance that I found, especially when we first started meditating together, really really daunting this idea that yeah like that that because of the name of the game is ultimately about non-judgment what could i do in that room that would get me kicked out (laughs) nothing right so so living with the fact that regardless of what you do you are accepted Ah, like that was a lot right um but then you're also in that space aware of what others are doing 
And I know sometimes in my day, I'll be like so irritated by the things that other humans do. But in the space of that, like the goal is to be with what is, Mm -hmm. you know, even if that person sitting two people from you breathes in a way that's really, really obnoxious. Right. Then it's, how do I be with this? Breathing pattern. Yeah. A friend of mine had an experience at a, at a pre-pandemic large, large meditation retreat um, that she was at. And she was like, the guy sitting behind me um, had a head cold, <sighs> you know, and for the whole week, you know, sniffle, sniffle cough sniffle snow anathema now in the covid days it's like what why was he even there you know yeah whatever 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 you know um this is before you know this new way of of sort of thinking might be with infectious diseases in in large groups right but she's like you know it took her a good couple of days before she was able to find acceptance for that Mm -hmm. you know and after the retreat, he came up to her and said, yeah, I'm really sorry. I just had this head cold that came on me right when I got here. I'm really sorry. I'm sure it was a pain in the ass. And it opened up all this kind of compassion. But she said it was a, it was a solid few days before she could really find acceptance for that. As part yeah. of the, because I mean, that in no way looks like the shared collective mindful group experience that she was going to have. You know, but in hindsight, of course it was. I mean, yeah. anytime you get other people together in a room, stuff gets messy quick. Yeah. Um, not because anybody's doing anything wrong, just because we're all unique individuals that bring different things into it. And, mm-hmm. you know, when when people start a meditation practice, a lot of times they find it easier to start, you know, start short with a, with a group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, all right, welcome to meditation. You've never before, never done it before. Have I got a good idea for you? An hour a day. Here's a by yourself. Here's a cushion. Wish me luck. You know, um, it's like, I don't know if that's what, a kind way to start, you know, people like to, when they do new things, they like to do it together a little bit, you know, um, be able to talk about their experiences, be able to relate experiences that they may be having, whether or not they're unique or not. Um, and a lot of, I go back and forth on this, you know, after, after a group meditation experience, for half an hour, 45 minutes or an hour, however long it might be. Um, some people want to talk about it and some people don't. Mm-hmm. You know, some people say job well done and get on with their day. And some folks want to, want to have a dialogue about, about what it was. And I think there's room for both, you know. Um, I, I sort of go back and forth on where I am at any particular time. Well, it depends on the day. Yeah, it does. It really does. You know, and what and what was going through during it, you know, yeah. and what, what's going on in somebody's life during it, you know, yeah. which is, you know, it depends on the day, like you said. Right. I mean, even within, you know, within our meditation group on Tuesday and Thursday mornings, like, um, I'm really trying to have this way of being where I, I show up as I am yeah. instead right. of showing up performing who I think people want me to be. And so within that space, like, I think folks in that group probably <laughs> experience me as uh, a little bit of a pendulum um, because especially in the morning, sometimes before I meditate, I am very chatty. And sometimes mm-hmm. I am very aware of the fact that I am not going to want to have a conversation until right. after I meditate. Right. Right. 
And so trying to allow, like, you know, it, it is kind of this opportunity. Like each day you get to begin again and you get to decide, yeah, today I'm coming to it chatty. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm not. Tomorrow you might not That's be. Interesting. Yeah, and to not have an expectation, yeah, you know, I think is a good thing because as soon as you do, it's like it's not going to go that way, um, right? And I think well, what I try to do, if, what I think what I try to do in the morning, it's like now that I'm thinking about my mornings a little bit and how my day starts, is you know what I've noticed this, and I think I might have talked about it before. It's like as soon as I wake up every day, you know, there's this unique and different like feeling about what what today feels like. What does today mm. feel like? Um, and it's different every, it's been different every day of my life. And I was like, it seems like it's never been the same one twice, you know? So, you know, my, my day is always seems to be one of how do I, how do I navigate the day best bringing my best self with this being, uh, the sort of the, the spinny thing on the life board, right. That I spun today, you know, yeah. knowing that every day is a different answer to that. But that only makes sense. I mean, you wake up, it's a new day. Maybe you learned something from the day before. Maybe something good happened. Maybe something hard happened. Maybe, I don't know, you know, but every day feels a little different with uh, with how I'm feeling today. How do I, how do I want to be in the world? And mm-hmm. how do I do that best? And some days that means I'm going to be great, you know, in my own mind and maybe even to somebody else's, I don't know. And other days, you know, I'm just not going to, not going to feel like I'm, you know, setting the world on fire and yeah the it's, good thing is you don't have to set the world on fire every day right you, know, you can have days where you're like meh whatever yeah i mean it's interesting you know part of that is for me at least is like thinking about awareness within that um one of the things i'm doing right now is tracking my mood um mm-hmm. and part of the reason i started this was because i'm doing this nonviolent communication class right um and so within that, um, there's like this feelings and needs inventory exercise um, that was offered as a tool for this week. And um, within the chat, one of the people in the class offered that there was an app uh, that this person liked to use instead of using like the chart, which mm. for me, feel, filling out a chart sounds like death. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, there's so many columns. Um, no, thank you. But this app basically does the same thing. And it's an app called, um, mood meter. And so the first thing you do is say, I feel, and then you're determining your feeling based on four quadrants, based on kind of, um, a scale of unpleasant to pleasant, high energy to low energy. Mm -hmm. So it divides emotions up into the four. And so you first determine your level of energy and your level of pleasantness. So it helps you sort of narrow down yeah, what your cool. yeah, cool. what your mood might be, yeah. And then it you can like catalog. Well, what's contributing to the mood? Do you want to stay in that mood or do you want to shift? Um, and there's also the opportunity to share with another person your mood. Um, so Eric and I have been doing this, uh, I guess, since maybe Thursday or Friday, hmm. and it's so interesting. One of the things that I have noticed is that. Um, after nine o'clock, if I continue to try to do things, my mood goes down very That's quickly. interesting. Um, 9 p.m., so, I hope, right? Yeah, 9, 9 p.m., right? Like, <laughs> after 9, 9 p.m., 
like the tendency for me to like get progressively grumpy super high mm, why because i'm tired yeah you get it pretty just, early yeah you get it pretty early yeah i just need to go to bed yeah right um so it's like hmm i've noticed this tendency to become despondent at nine o'clock am i despondent or tired yeah what if we tried sleep yeah um but i think that's a little different from um what you were saying about each day being you know new but i think like my key thing is like trying to come to almost every hour with some curiosity to well what is my mood right now where am i at right now uh it's very interesting yeah that check in that that it, you know, I almost said constant check-in. It's like, I don't want to make it work. It's like, oh, I got to always be checking in on myself. Um, but I think it is good. And this is what we were talking about earlier today in this podcast. You know, this mm-hmm. kind of coming back around to ourselves with our own sense of awareness and what we need and what is my body asking for and is it whispering or is it screaming Yeah. Um, with, with what I actually need. Yeah. Um, and what is answering that question look like and that's a scary proposition yeah you know for a lot of people because it sounds like something else you need to do during your day and this is the the meditation practice and you know um one thing that we will actually record a podcast on pretty soon is you know this phrase that you uh dropped uh, about a month ago right i don't know if i first saw it in writing no i first saw it in writing and we talked about it this mindfulness meditation is not a is not uh self-care yeah it's not self-care right and i was intrigued by it It was like oh paradigm you know shifting you know iconoclastic statements like that can get somebody's attention it's like well meditation is not self-care what is and you know i offered getting a smoothie is self-care you know uh, a bubble bath (laughs) a bubble bath is self-care meditation is not and um well, because is 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 eating today, is that self-care? No, it's biological necessity. It's not self-care. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, the things that keep us alive, that, you know, enhance our humanity, that, you know, allow us to function at our best. Those aren't self-care. Those are goddamn requirements. Yeah. You know, I'm feeling a little sluggish and I could really go for a smoothie. Awesome. That's self-care. You know, it's like, you know, self-care is the product of wants, not needs. If you need to do it, it's not self-care. If you want to do it, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and so that's one of the things, especially within the world of nonviolent communication that I'm thinking about a lot is it is... um it is our obligation as people in this world to understand our needs. Yeah. And if you're because not, it's, to not do so is irresponsible. It is. Yeah. And so like conflict comes when needs clash. Yeah. And so if you're not aware of your needs and you're just running through life's with ill-fitted coping strategies, trying to uh, address the fact that your needs haven't been met, you are going to be a terror upon society. Yeah, you're a, you're a, you're a fireman. You're a fire person. You're walking around just putting out fires all the time. Yeah, or you're lighting them. Or you're light, in lighting some in the... You, you might be an arsonist. Yeah, le- leaving a trail of destruction in your path in, yeah. as a result. Right? Like, I mean, goodness knows, like, 
um I think you've even told me before, like, get a snack before we talk, yeah, right? Like, right. if I haven't <laughs> if I haven't been fed, I'm yeah, a little a bit like a gremlin, yeah, like a every other human. Grab Snickers. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, but I, th- that is interesting, though, because um, I think nonviolent communication and mindfulness or meditation practice are, are not considered requirements on this earth you know just today i did some required mandatory security training on the mm. internet uh i think you have to do those as well dr spiegel if not i think you have i'm to up to date it to feels do. like me saying i've had all my shots so. <laughs> yeah it does you know i've had all my security training don't leave your usb in the metro station um and uh i mean my question when i go through these you know it takes an hour and a half to do these you know these internet security Train is like, why don't they do this for trauma, you know, trauma recognition in the classroom and nonviolent communication? Because wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be something, you know? Um, That's, I mean. Wouldn't that be something? You want to start a revolution, teach people how to identify their needs. Yeah, that'll do it. And I think a lot of people spend a lot of time not doing that exactly for exactly that reason, because it would start a revolution. Well, I you mean, would, so you would is... find the world in which you live unacceptable and with right. an obligation to do something about it. So it's like, if that's not what you want right now, you're not even going to go there. And I'm just going to go ahead and keep my eyes shut and fumble through this day as best I can, trying to do as little or as much damage as possible. Yeah. I mean, to go back to board games, which I think I've talked about this board game probably on the podcast before. You know, there's this board game, Euphoria, where you have these workers and you want to keep them stupid so that they stay happy right right? because the more they know the more they might question um and so you know it i mean capitalism profits off of us thinking yeah that you know we have to keep with the grind mentality i mean this is part of what uh when i was presenting on friday one of the things i talked about was the nap ministry um which is you know ultimately a racial justice movement um, led by women of color uh, who are pointing out the fact that um, perfectionism is a tool of white supremacy. It is. Absolutely. Um, It is. It absolutely is. And so I think that's, you know, things like mindfulness, um, they're not... They're not luxury items. They are the resist. They are a tool for resistance. Yeah, for sure. So, and it's not the thing, you know. That's what I was saying this morning. I mean, you know, meditation for its own sake. You know, it's like, oh, I'm gonna meditate and I'm gonna check it off my list and get on with my day. It's like that's cool. You can do that. You can do more. You know, you can do a lot yeah. more. You know, well, you and- can. You can so, get a little temporary little jolt and a little bit of refreshment from it. It's like, ah, that was great. That was wonderful. That was a nice little five minutes I just took. Now I'm reinvigorated for the rest of my day. It's like, yeah, you can do that. Or. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I, I'll be honest. Like, the longer I meditate, the more um, resistance I feel to it. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Cause, Interesting. Because I know what like shit to, would happens. You like, would you like to say more about that? During that. Well, yeah, because... Um, It's not clouds and rainbows on a cushion. It's not. It's really not. And um, there are days where I don't want to face myself. Yeah. 
you know? And so like whenever I am sitting with um, like a five minute meditation session and people come out and they say, oh, that was so nice. So thank you so much for that gentle little. And I'm just like, whoa, you know, it's just like, it reminds me of going to like a yoga class. Um, mm. Like I used to go to these hour and a half yoga classes and you could tell sometimes like the new people um, after the warm up, they felt like they were killing it. Yeah. Right. And then you were like, friend, we're just getting started. Let's get started. Um, and that's what it feels like. It feels like um, the five minute things, they're the warm ups and the warm up does make you feel good. It does. Yeah, it really does. It but really the does. real work is the 30 minutes after for me. Yeah. And it really makes you feel good for a variety of reasons. I mean, you actually did take time for yourself to do something by choice that is you know, looks like a countercultural thing a little bit. I mean, you're not hyperproductive mm -hmm. um, in a way that other people can observe that get tangible product of it while you do it. It's never a bad idea to consciously oxygenate your body, you know, by doing a little deep breathing. You know, it's like there's a lot mm -hmm. of things about it that, that do make you feel great. Um, you did take a little time for yourself today and did a thing by choice. Perfect. You know, you did something responsively, not necessarily reactively. Um all that sounds and points to points to good stuff. You know, there's more. Yeah. If you want, you know, um, if you, you can stop there or we can like fundamentally redefine your human experience if you would like, you know, Hey man, but have it your way. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah. Um, what it's, it's a choose your own adventure a little bit. And I mean, you know, if you're, if you're fundamentally, fundamentally miserable with every aspect of your life, I gotta be honest though, you know, five minutes here and there ain't going to do it. No. I mean, it'll do something, but it ain't going to. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't until we, and I don't think everybody in the world has to sit for an hour, but I will say that sitting for an hour on a regular basis uh, for the last year has fundamentally yeah. changed yeah. my way yeah. of being in the world. Um, and I think that's sometimes why I resist coming to the cushion because it's like, I have changed enough this last year. Yeah. Can right. we just put a pen in it for a minute? I'm going to go do some maintenance mode. And the answer to that is yes, you can. You know, right. it's like you absolutely can. Like, what do you what do? you do? Go get a smoothie. Have a spa right. day. You know, it's like do some self-care. I'm going to get my <laughs> you know, nails it's like done. If, if, you, if, you med if you do meditation, right, you need self-care afterwards, yeah. you know, to, to do it, right? It's not the self-care. It's a thing that requires a self-care. Because, I mean, what I found with, with longer sitting, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't just sort of by itself cause relaxation. It forces reconciliation with the self. Yeah. You know, it forces reconciliation. It's like you want to you want to find out who you are and, and what problems you need to solve and whether or not you're happy or miserable and whether or not you're getting everything there is to get out of this life or not. You put your ass on that cushion for an hour a day and you'll find out. You know, mm -hmm. it, it will force reconciliation. Yeah. Um, with with that, five yeah. minutes doesn't do that. Right. Five minutes. Five minutes a day doesn't do that. You know, at least it doesn't do it for me. It might do it for you. Right. Um, I wish it did for me. It it doesn't. You know, a longer sit is the one that. Me, and so it's like it, it's it's what do you want? You know. Yeah. Um. Do you want a little break in the middle of your day because you're staring at a screen all day? Yeah, sure. Take five or ten. It's all good. You know, you can do that other ways too without calling it meditation. You can take a walk outside. You know, look at something or a sleep away. story. Yeah. Um, With the sleep story. Or take a nap. Or. Mm -hmm. You know, just kind of do something, do something else, right? If you want to fundamentally 
change your way of being in this world. It's a little bit longer. See what happens. You know, we can ease into mm-hmm. it. We don't have to do it all at once. We can do it tomorrow too, right? We don't need to do it. We don't always yeah. need to do it all at once. And I found that it's unavoidable. It's not, okay, I'm going to force reconciliation, so I'm going to sit for longer. It's like it happens by itself. Well, yeah. And, I mean, the other part of it is, um, I think for people who have perfectionist tendencies, um, they can use meditation as another tool to abuse themselves. Yeah. Like you're trying to get perfect attendance on the cushion. Um, And so I've had to break myself of that, too. Like, I was like, okay, got to be on the cushion. Got to be here for an hour. Got to do it every day. I do that, too. I mean, I've been doing it. I've only been doing it for 20 years. So, you know, I'm still kind of new. But I do that myself. Yeah. I do that myself. But, yeah, it's a a tricky thing. Um, It's a practice that I don't know. I shouldn't say this as a certified meditation teacher. It's like, I'm not sure how to get into this practice. You know? <laughs> it's it's good to do it with others. I don't know, you know, um, but I didn't. I didn't, when I got into it, I didn't have others because there weren't others to have. Yeah. You know, back in the in the late 90s in St. Louis. I mean, you, you did it by yourself or you didn't do it. Right. That, that's not entirely true. I think there was a Zen center somewhere in St. Louis County, but yeah. what am I going to do? I can do I nothing mean- at home. I don't need to go to a Zen center to do nothing. Yeah, I mean, I had been dabbling in meditation for a little while because people with anxiety are often told to make time for meditation. Um, but yeah, so what I would recommend is a, you know, a random friend who says, hey, Sherry, want to meditate for yeah. an hour? Why not? This guy. Wink, wink, not none. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And of course, if I told you, it completely redefines your personal experience with who you are and your way in the world. I mean, who would do it? It's almost easier just to kind of keep barking up the same trees at the. I mean, you could have told me that. I probably would have just thought it was like another Fitzgerald line. Yeah, I could have. (laughs) He's full of shit. Yeah, this guy. He doesn't know. Well, it certainly changed my life, you know, um, for the for the better, and not 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 for the easier. Do you think even shifting to the hour practice? Do you think that you can see that that alone? has made a difference? Um, Yes-ish. Ish. Would you like to say more words about the ish? I think we all have our personal thresholds on on like what enough sort of is. And it all kind of, like I said, depends on what you sort of want Mm -hmm. Um, and what what you're trying to do. I went into this um, back in the late 90s with uh, there's got to be another way. Yeah. You know, so I, I, if it's like, okay, there's got to be another way of being in the world. Five minutes doesn't do it. You know, it's like, I, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not quite enough to yeah. do that, to do, to, to, to make that, to make that shift. It, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's good. I think any time on the cushion is good time on the cushion, but different things happen with longer experiences. Um, you have more experience noticing what is. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as you become more practiced in being able to pay attention to what's happening within you, uh, without you, you know, not without, like, not with you, not with you being there, but like what's happening outside of you and what's happening around you in your environment. I mean, you start to see things. Right. You start to see little stuff. It's like, huh, that's interesting. Why is that happening that way? It's like, is that the only way that this could go or could this be a different way of going on? It's like, wow, these people are doing things, but they're not thinking about it. They're just sort of reacting. How interesting. Right. You know, I wonder if they if they had a responsive approach, if that would be different. You know, and it's 
there's this cultivation of of that sort of mindset and body set and observational way that you can practice. And, you know, if, if you're going to try to ride a bike and you practice for five minutes a day, you're not going to be that hot at it. You know, it's, it's no different. Right. You know, if right. you really want to ride that bike and you really want to make some progress and you really want to, you know, do something meaningful here on that bike, it's going to take more than five. It's going to take more than five minutes a couple of times a week. You right. Know, try half an hour. See what happens. This is yeah. this is the, the the ten thousand hour thing, right? Which is kind of not always true, but you know, it, it speaks to this. It takes yeah. it takes it takes some dedicated time and effort to to get proficient at something. And so the question is, what is the actual thing that you're trying to get proficient at? What is what is meditation? If if longer is better, what do you get better at by doing it for longer? It's like what what's actually happening here? Being you know, being right here, right now, seeing what is without judgment with acceptance without necessarily having to like everything without yeah. having to make everything happen in a particular way and being able to respond to it as it does. You know, this is a situation I'm in. How can I respond as best I can? And um, if I can't do anything to make this situation that I'm in tolerable, maybe I need to get out of this situation mm-hmm. and try something different, you know? So that's the reconciliation forcing that I've seen it do in me. Yeah. And um, so it's kind of fun. It's like, um <laughs> reconciliation is so fun fun from a terrifying point of view it's like oh my god i think i need to change everything about my life and it's like well you know sometimes we do yeah if, it, if what you're doing ain't working why not uh, why not see that honestly yeah you know um but what comes on the heels of that what, but if you think about that from another way it's not just ooh, what do i need to do in order to you know to address what's going on in my life that also requires acceptance of who you are. Right. You know, and it's like at the, at the same time, because the, the one sort of requires the other. Right. And I you think know? that that's, that's one of the things that's unavoidable on the cushion. Yeah, it is. is. It's, it's completely who you are. You will see yourself as yeah. you are. Yeah. Um, and it becomes harder to ignore the more you sit. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you'll find out that that what if, if you see what is there is something that is intolerable and unacceptable, it will force reconciliation. Right. And, okay, I need to change this. And it will, it can cause some changes to happen. Yeah. It can also cause some acceptance. Like, yeah. you know, there. it's not all bad in there as it turns out. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It turns out you're pretty good at some stuff. Yeah. You know, it turns out, you know, you, you're doing pretty good. Not the worst. Not the worst. Turns out you're not the worst. Turns out you're not. The so worst. you get you get all of that. Yeah. You know, you get all of that. And um again, he's like, I don't wanna I don't wanna say that, you know, five minutes here and there is a bad thing. It's not. I think any time taking some time with yourself mm-hmm. to sort of quietly settle, I think is a good idea. Yeah. And if you would like to sit for a little bit longer and see what happens, I would be in total support for that. I would totally support that. Yeah, that I wouldn't want to should anyone and say you should do this amount, right? But I think it's one of these things where if five minutes is is feeling refreshing, get curious about other lengths of time. Yeah, what happens at 10? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happens at 15? Yeah. Um, if five is good, 10 is better. It's like, well, if five is good, 10 can be different. 10 is different. I yeah. mean, that's that's really yeah. the thing. Um, you think like, that's different? Do 30. And so what's interesting to me, to me, like, I do not like to sit for 20 minutes. 
you're just getting into it. And no, no, but that's, so that's, what, that's why I don't like it. It's like, ah, it's just getting into it. No, no. So here's the thing. I will sit for 10 minutes. I will sit for 15 minutes. I will sit for 30 minutes. I don't mind 45. I don't mind an hour. I hate 20. What's up with 20? What's going on I with don't 20? know. I, I don't That's know. That's hilarious. But for some reason, like, anytime I sit for 20 minutes, I'm like, like, I don't know. I, oh, that's I should, curious. I should take, like, a week and just do 20-minute sits and see what's happening there. Yeah, and that's and that's something that happens with, with more time on the cushion, is too. It's like you, you, you get curious. I mean, I love it, but you're curious about it. And it's like, okay, I'll try it. I'll see yeah, what's going on. See. I'm, I'm, not, I mean, I'm going to live through it. Yeah. You know, what's the worst that can really happen is that I'm going to be fidgety. Uh, yeah. And just kind of bad about it, but I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not really doing anything different. Or are you, right? In or 20 minutes than not. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, What's my deal with 20? So, I, yeah, yeah, I'll practice that for a week uh, and report that's, back. It's simultaneously interesting and hilarious. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I always like it when Paul enjoys my pain. <laughs> it's not really real pain. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but what, yeah. what real, what, what pain is? What pain is, right? Real yeah. Pain. That pain is just like sure. the, ugh, ugh, I don't know what it is. Like, you want to sit for 20? Like, Eric will ask me, do you want to sit for, I don't know, I could do 15 or 20 minutes. I'm like, 15. Every time. That's a very privileged kind of pain right yeah. there. Yeah. Or he'll be like, 15 or 30. And I'll be like, that either one's fine. 20? One's fine. No. Yeah. no. No, 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 no. It's like sleep cycles, right? It goes in three-hour increments. You, you, you can only go in 15-minute increments or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I really 20s. don't like the 20. You don't want to sit for a, something that gets you gets you out of it in the middle of a, a meditative cycle. And that might be, like, I do think, like, with the hour, I think of the hour as being something that isn't a unit of four. Well, there you go, right? There you go. Yeah, so. Well, we solved it, so I don't have to do Yeah, yeah, cool. I was going to say. Now. Right. Awesome. Yeah. You did a good job at that. Cool. Yeah, so I don't know what to say, you know, um, but I, 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 I somewhat make a, a, a business out of knowing what to say. So I better come up with something. It's like, how do we get into it? You know, how do you get into meditation if you want to? Beats me. Um, yeah. I know that, you know, some things that I've said, other others have said. An app is a good place to start, but eventually you're going to want more. Mm-hmm. You know, um, an hour isn't necessarily the best place to start. You know, um, try five minutes, try 10. Um, what I hear is um, from a lot of folks, what I have heard a lot of times is I'll do five minutes. Yeah, it's focusing on our breathing. But when when large, when longer, um, when longer durations get proposed uh, as an idea, um, a lot of the resistance is that um, their mind starts to wander and that they don't have the attention span and they get too distracted. So they can't do that. And it's like, oh, so you already do know yourself. Wonderful. Yeah. Let's see what happens when we do get to it. Yeah, so let's get to it. That's not a reason not to do it. That's a, you've, yeah. you've, you've already noticed that you're rubbing up against that a little bit. And what happens if we if we dive in? Yeah. So or, it, or, it, okay. it's not... It's not always kind for me to say, well, that's why you should, you know, but I mean, there's a, a different conversation, a different set of answers to have. But. Yeah. I mean, I used to always think I'm too fidgety to be on the cushion, but at this point it's just like, yeah, so I'm fidgety and I also meditate. Yeah. Like these things can coexist, especially if I don't judge the, the one. Like fidgety isn't, you know, fidgety is a problem when you're trying to get kids to 
coalesce as school children. Right, right, right. Um, but fidgety is just, I mean, how many things have I fidgeted with during the hour we've talked today, Paul? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I do the same thing. I mean, I have a couple of fidget items laying around over here. Yeah, we do it. Yeah. Uh, but, so, you know, it's cool. it's one of those things. We I, I feel like at some point we might offer folks a incremental, like, a meditation with Paul. Like, couch to 5K, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought about that. You know, I thought about that. I mean, to put together an intro to intro to mindfulness meditation packet or something like that, you know, it really is just like a really would be like a starter pack on how to how to get started on this. Yeah, not the worst idea. Not the worst idea. And it, it goes from the hard part in the beginning is finding time during your day to do it. You know, making something yeah. a new routine or a new habit because your day is already so crammed with all the stuff you have to do, and this is stuff that I want to do, and it's like I can challenge that so easily. Don't even get me, mm. don't even try to go there with me. Because um, as you know, right, if you really want to do something, you'll find time to do it, and sure. set a timer, clock, block it out on your calendar, or do what you have to do in order to make it happen until it becomes something that's an expectation, and then we can start playing with other time periods and other durations. If given a construct in a way and support system in place in, in which we can sort of do that, because it's it's tough to go in by yourself. And a lot of the people that started on their own did so out of necessity. Yeah. You know, not because they chose to go in alone. Who would do that? You know, but, you know, I would have loved to have had a group in yeah. 1998 in St. Louis, you know, but I didn't. And so you figure it out, um, which has its advantages and it has its disadvantages mm -hmm. <laughs> just ask Clea um uh what 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 that what those are Clea being my own mentor um and um yeah I've thought about that I've thought about that I don't know if I have much more to say about it yeah um, well I wouldn't be surprised if that showed up sometime in the future who can tell what will show up in the future I know mm -hmm. that we will have some things we will. Yeah, we got a couple of things that we're sort of cooking on. I think we've been saying that for a couple of weeks. And what the good people yeah. need to know is that in about two weeks, yeah. we will move into our summer brains. Yeah, I just feel like saying, dude, the semester is almost over. Just give me a damn second. All right, we'll get something right. out there. Just hang tough. We're yeah. On it. yeah. Um, but yeah, I am looking forward to seeing what we come up with this summer. Um, yeah, me too. Me and too. Uh, yeah, cool. Very cool. I think we said some things. I think we did. Mm -hmm. um, I think we did. Um, and hopefully people got some, some good out of it. And uh, depending on the editing of this podcast, you may or may not hear a leaf blower sometime in the <laughs> If so, I apologize. It was not my fault. It was the leaf blower's fault. And I'll do my best to edit that out. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, never mind. Yes. It means that Paul is a good editor, but he is not yeah. good at being with and of the the ways of the leaf blowing. No, I'm not. I'm anti-leaf blower pretty hard. Mm -hmm. Well, um, and that, that sir, that we we witnessed was not blowing leaves. He was blowing the street. Yeah. It's like, what, what, why? Why? It's literally going to rain tomorrow. It's like, why leaf blow the street? It's like, I don't even, oh my God. Yeah. Well. <sighs> I have some work to do on this topic, clearly. clearly. I have some work to do. And on the cushion, that work will happen, so. Indeed. Well, Perfect. Yeah, so we'll get some uh, we'll get something posted and, and up on the website pretty soon on stuff we got cooking. So just give us a second. Yeah. We're wrapping up this semester and then we'll have some headspace to do some good things. Yep. So tune in next week where we will say more things and then eventually we will do some things. Sounds like a plan, Stan. 
Indeed. Cool. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Sherry. We'll talk soon. And thank you, dear listener. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a Paul podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast. Yes. 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 Cool.